The Devil Within, the hit true crime podcast, is back with a terrifying journey into the mind of a madman. In the 1970s, New York City had it all. Hip-hop, punk rock, and the Son of Sam. The Devil Within, a season in hell, is available now wherever you get your podcasts. You know the drill. Patrons heard this episode first. Our patrons enjoy ad-free early access to regular episodes. And on top of that, they get a bonus episode every single month. To join our Patreon, click the link in our show notes or go to patreon.com slash the Murder Diaries pod. See you there. Welcome back to the Murder Diaries podcast. I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. 29-year-old Crystal Reisinger has been missing since July 13th, 2016. Crystal had relocated to Crestone, Colorado from Denver. She was looking for spiritual enlightenment, solace, and sobriety. She was absolutely beautiful with big, soulful, crystal blue eyes and an infectious laugh. She worked for Crestone Brewing Company for a short time and had a small studio apartment in downtown Crestone. It's in that apartment that Crystal was last seen on July 13th, 2016. However, this is where the timeline gets complicated because a few locals report seeing her at a full moon drum circle on July 18th, 2016 in Crestone. It was believed at first that Crystal had wanted to disappear. But then in 2018, the Sawatch County Sheriff's Office and the Colorado Bureau of Investigation announced that foul play was involved in her disappearance. This is her story. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. Crystal was originally born in Phoenix, Arizona. She was raised in a bit of an unstable home, and when Crystal was 15, her mother suffered a mental breakdown. After her mom's breakdown, Crystal became a ward of the state. She then relocated to Denver to live with her aunt. Unfortunately, that living situation wasn't much better and didn't work out. She and her aunt had a falling out, and Crystal was unfortunately kicked out of her aunt's house. Crystal's childhood was described by one of her ex-boyfriends as, quote, nightmarish. But that didn't affect her personality. She was kind, gentle, and affectionate. Around the time that she was kicked out, the parents of one of Crystal's close friends, Rodney and Debbie Irvin, took her in. She was just 15 years old. It's at this time that the Irvins began to provide for her like she was one of their own. Crystal lived in the Irvins' basement. They fed her, clothed her, and after high school, they sent her to Western Colorado University in Gunnison, Colorado, where she studied psychology and sociology. Rodney Irvin described her as upbeat and always forward-thinking. She never looked back. Though her childhood had toughened her, her mantra was, do no harm. Gunnison, again, where Crystal was attending school, is on the western slope of Colorado, and it's about four hours away from Denver. It's there that she met her best friend, Michael. After they met, Michael and Crystal were inseparable. They became roommates and did everything together. During summer break, she would go back to Denver to stay with the Irvins and visit them. Michael remembers Crystal's laugh. He would later say that her laugh was really loud, and you always knew when she was around because of that laugh. Not only was Crystal's laugh infectious, but she had a great sense of humor and could make anybody else laugh too. Quote, if she was laughing, you were laughing. It was one of these summer trips to Denver that Crystal met Elijah or Eli. Eli says he fell in love with her at first sight. 
He would later tell Payne Lindsay of Up and Vanished, quote, I had a good buddy of mine. We've been friends for years. He had a friend that he wanted to introduce me to. It was like a friend of a friend introduction kind of thing. And when we met, it was kind of like fireworks immediately. It was one of those things where we kind of fell in love really fast. The relationship moved really fast. It seemed like it was fast forward, instant relationship kind of thing. And we moved in together. It was just, yeah, awesome, wonderful experience, end quote. Eli would later go on to say in another quote, my first impression of Crystal was like, where have you been my whole life? She was very sweet, intelligent, very deep thinker, covered in tattoos, piercings, different looking, kind of wild looking person, my type of girl. Eli and Crystal ended up moving in together shortly after they met, and two years later, they had their daughter, Akasha. When Crystal found out that she was pregnant with Akasha, she was scared. She wasn't sure that motherhood was going to be her thing or come easy to her. Crystal's own childhood had scarred her, and the pain that she was dealing with from that childhood had made her turn towards substance use. But after Akasha was born, Crystal was a great mom. She became sober, and she did everything for her daughter. Eli would later recall that Crystal loved to sing to Akasha, and she was a really great mom. By 2014, Eli and Crystal had broken up, but they continued to co-parent really well for Akasha. Crystal never denied Eli access to seeing Akasha, and she was adamant that the family would stay together, even though the relationship between Crystal and Eli had ended. By the spring of 2014, Crystal was ready for a change. She was tired of the city and felt that she needed to find peace and spiritual enlightenment in another place. She moved to Crestone, Colorado, a small town about 200 miles southwest of Denver. Crestone was, and still is, known as the New Age religious capital of the world, the perfect place for Crystal to find the spirituality that she was seeking. The town of Crestone itself has about 150 residents, but people come from all over the world seeking spirituality through the many different religious sects that have settled in the area. The mayor of Crestone told Up and Vanished that before the pandemic, Crestone spiritual centers would attract more than 30,000 visitors annually. Some visitors would stay for the afternoon and others would stay for as long as they needed just to set themselves back onto whatever path of spirituality they were looking for. Crystal belonged to that latter group. She arrived in Crestone bringing her meditation practices, her often brightly colored hair and dreadlocks and settled in. Right away, she became a staple in the community. Eli would later say she was definitely on a spiritual path. She was practicing tarot cards and was really into Hinduism and Buddhism. Crystal was also interested in the Native American religions. On top of that, she was a clairvoyant and a medium. Crystal was a place where Crystal could learn more about all of these things. She was able to follow her spiritual path without judgment or doubt. The surroundings were just what she needed to stay sober and find her calling. While in Crestone, she met a band, and this band now goes by Ritual Language, and their last album is actually dedicated to Crystal, called Crystal Missive, and you can actually find her vocals on a couple of tracks. If you want to check out that album, you can find it on Spotify. Just search Ritual Language or Crystal Missive. We'll also try and link it in the show notes. It's easy to say that Crystal felt right at home in Crestone. Though she had left Denver and permanently moved to Crestone, she was in constant contact with Eli and Akasha. She didn't miss a day of talking to them. She was still dedicated to her family, and she hoped that Eli and Akasha would soon join her to Crestone, which 
In one interview, Eli says that that was perhaps the goal. One night, Crystal called Eli and she told him that she had a premonition and it wasn't a good one. She told him that something really bad was going to happen to both of them, something violent. She told them that they might not survive it. Crystal told Eli that whatever it was, they couldn't avoid it. It was going to happen very soon within a few days. It was something that couldn't be changed. Eli knew that it was true. Crystal was clairvoyant and when she had a premonition, it would happen. He had seen her premonitions happen before. And now a word from today's sponsor. I'm going to be honest with everyone. Figuring out what's for dinner isn't at the top of my summer activity wish list. That's where HelloFresh comes in. They deliver mouth-watering, chef-crafted recipes and fresh ingredients to your door. So you can spend your summer doing, well, whatever you want. Another perk of HelloFresh is it's so much more convenient than grocery shopping. But did you know it's cheaper too? It's also 25% less expensive than takeout. It's a win-win if you ask me. We're so excited to work with HelloFresh and we have worked with them before too. Honestly, before any of that happened, I was paying for HelloFresh all on my own. That is how much I love it. Their chicken is some of the best chicken I've ever tasted or worked with in the kitchen. One of the reasons I love HelloFresh so much is because no, I'm not a retired podcaster. I still have my nine to five. And when I come home, I'm tired. So to have dinner ready to go pre-portioned, and I know it's going to taste good. And again, it's ready to go in the fridge. There's no better feeling. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Diary16 and use code Diary16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Diary16. Don't forget to use code Diary16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Two days later, Eli was walking home from work and he was brutally beaten and stabbed in the face. All of the bones in his face were broken and his orbital sockets were greatly injured. Eli woke up after surgery that had been done to repair the damage that he had endured, not remembering anything. Unfortunately, he had been a victim of a random act of violence. A total stranger had almost killed him. Crystal traveled back to Denver to help Eli get back to health. She stayed with him until he was able to take care of himself, and then she returned to Creststone. Two weeks later, she disappeared. During the first week of July, Aura, Crystal's landlord at that apartment building in Creststone, came by to collect rent. Aura would later recall that when Crystal opened the door, it seemed like she had been crying. Quote, she was extremely distraught. And I said, what's going on? Are you okay? She said, I don't really want to talk about it, but I went to a party and I'm pretty sure that I was drugged and sexually assaulted. This unfortunately wasn't an uncommon occurrence in town. Several women had been attacked by groups of men and the women didn't know what happened to them until they woke up in their driveways with no underwear on none of them remembering what had happened. No one in this town of 150 people seemed to know who these offenders were. Ara would later tell Payne Lindsay of Up and Vanished that she tried to find out who they were, but they appeared to be very good at hiding. One resident also told Payne Lindsay that there were two sets of people that lived in town. There were those who were just there to live their lives in a simple peace and Then there were the trust fund babies who came there to make drug deals and get high and cause trouble. During that interaction, when she went to go collect the rent, Ara encouraged her to call the police and report the sexual assault. Crystal replied that she was considering doing that. 
this whole interaction in early July makes our the last person to physically see Crystal on July 13th. No one reported seeing Crystal the next day on the 14th, but she did make a post on Facebook and spoke to Eli on the phone. Two weeks after no one had seen her, Ara reported Crystal missing on July 30th. The missing persons report was done by Ara after she had a really bad feeling during those two weeks from the 13th to the 30th. When she would go by the apartment building, she noticed that Crystal's lights and the ceiling fan were on the entire time, never off. What the final straw was before making the report, Ara got a Facebook message from Crystal's boyfriend, Nathan. He said he was looking for Crystal and he asked Ara if she knew where she was. It was that message that prompted her to finally call the police. If Nathan didn't know where she was, then in Ara's mind, something was definitely wrong. This is her boyfriend. Why doesn't he know where Crystal is? When law enforcement finally arrived, they found the door to Crystal's apartment unlocked. Her cell phone, cigarettes, clothes, and computer were all there. There was no sign of struggle or forced entry, and everything seemed to be in its normal place. What couldn't be located were her keys and wallet. After her disappearance, Nathan recalled that on the night of June 28, 2016, Crystal called him. She was with a man that everyone called Catfish. Nathan went to Catfish's house to pick her up, and when she got in the car, Nathan says that she told him she was held down and sexually assaulted there. After finding Crystal's cell phone in her apartment, Ara went through Crystal's messages. She said that it seemed that Crystal was on her way somewhere. It seemed urgent, like she was leaving in a hurry. And it is possible that she was going to see Catfish to confront him about the sexual assault. The last messages on her phone were between her and Catfish. Ara knew that Crystal had claimed to have been drugged and sexually assaulted at Catfish's place, but she didn't know who did it. Crystal had told several people that Catfish was one of the men who had sexually assaulted her, and the assault happened at Catfish's place, like I said, but she never identified any of the other men. Crystal had also told Ara that she'd been held in Catfish's basement for several days, but didn't remember much about her ordeal. Again, this is all alleged coming from Ara. Ara would also later state that Crystal wasn't the kind of person to let something like this happen and just ignore it. Perhaps she felt that the police wouldn't do anything, so possibly went to confront Catfish and or these men who had allegedly sexually assaulted her. Eli would later tell Payne Lindsay that he also thought that Crystal was either going to report the assault to the police or confront Catfish or other men about it. He strongly believes that this is why she is missing. Catfish vehemently denies that Crystal had ever said anything about a sexual assault and denies anything like that happening. In separate interviews for Up and Vanished, Payne Lindsay interviewed Ara, Nathan, and Eli about the assault on Crystal. They all told the same story. When Payne asked Catfish why they would all have the same claim, he said, quote, why would I kill the girl? I barely even knew her. At first, Sawatch County Sheriff Dan Warwick said he wasn't sure she was actually missing. People in Creststone do come and go all the time, and a lot of times, those that go will show back up eventually. When it was announced in 2018 that foul play was suspected in Crystal's case, Dan Warwick would later tell reporters, this is an odd one. This is a hard case. She was known by many, but nobody knew her well enough to know her daily routines. We have some persons of interest. Crystal's remains have never been found, and that does make the case more difficult. Without her being found alive or a body to give evidence as to what did happen, 
it remains a mystery. It's important to note that Crestone is a remote area of Colorado. Caves and abandoned mine shafts dot the area for miles. Rodney Irvin, again, part of the family that Crystal stayed with when she was a teenager, was adamant from the beginning that Crystal had not just walked away. He told Problem Solvers in 2017, the day before she vanished, she had purchased a number of her favorite health food items, veggie burgers and almond milk. Shampoo and conditioner were new in the shower. Her medicine was in the fridge and being used. There was no sign that she had planned to pack up and leave. There have been several unconfirmed sightings of Crystal after the last day she was seen, July 13th. Several people said that she was at this full moon drum circle on July 18th, which again, is four days after she disappeared. But Nathan was at that drum circle and he told Eli that he had asked around about her because he was looking for her at that drum circle and she wasn't there. Catfish told investigators that she was at his house on July 21st, more than a week after she went missing. It was his birthday and she was there with several others. They all sat around and drank wine and smoked weed. These two possible sightings left the police with a gap in their timeline. Since no one really knew Crystal's normal day-to-day routine, and she had been known to leave for a week or two without telling anyone, it really was hard to say whether she just went off somewhere or not. Eli went to Crestone in early August to speak with the sheriff about Crystal's disappearance. It wasn't until he showed up demanding answers that the sheriff really started to dig into what was going on with Crystal. The sheriff listed several scenarios about what might have happened to her. At first, he thought that she had just simply left, which we've already gone over that. The other was that she joined the Rainbow Gathering. The Rainbow Gathering is a community of people who get together in forests for a week or more at a time and get together to share thoughts and ideas of peace and freedom. And while most of the people who join the gathering are good, there are people who join the gathering and psychedelic use that give the gathering a bit of a controversial reputation. The small amount of people who follow the gathering that use psychedelics aren't actually allowed to join the main gathering because only weed is allowed inside of the gathering. So these people usually stay on the periphery of the group. Neither Eli or Rodney were having any of these two theories. They felt that the sheriff was trying to avoid an investigation into Crystal's whereabouts. They wanted answers and they wanted them quickly. They told the sheriff that it was highly unlikely that Crystal just walked away from everything on her own or with the gathering. She was dedicated to her daughter. And again, she called Eli to speak with Akasha every day, sometimes multiple times. She was still in almost constant contact with the Irvings. They were essentially surrogate grandparents to Akasha. Another important thing were the groceries in the fridge. Who would buy groceries and leave them behind if they were going to leave for an extended period? At this point, Catfish starts acting pretty fishy. Shortly after Up and Vanish began looking into Crystal's case in 2018, Catfish left town. He had lived in the same house in Crestone since 2002 for some perspective. While he was gone, his house was gutted. It had been thoroughly cleaned with bleach, computers were destroyed, and windows were removed. Police believed that he was behind the gutting of this house. That's when they started to believe that he had something to do with Crystal's disappearance. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I'm pretty sure we can all agree that none of us spend enough time on ourselves versus how much we spend on other things and other people. But we have to learn how to balance the two. And one of the most helpful ways that I personally do that is therapy. One of the ways that I've done that therapy is through one of the companies Natalie and I have already been talking to you guys about for weeks now, BetterHelp. Paige is so right. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. So like we've been talking about, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash murderdiaries today to get 10% off your first month, you guys. With how expensive therapy can be, this is awesome. And we're so excited to offer it to you. That's betterhelp.com slash murder diaries. Up and Vanish continued to investigate this case. This included searches. And during one of those searches, they found a huge hole in a mine shaft. One of the producers stood over the mine with a camera and took a picture. The picture shows an image that looks like one of Crystal's tattoo. It's a rising phoenix. We included that picture in our website blog post as well as the Instagram post so that you can see it. The people of Creststone, the investigators, and Crystal's loved ones believe that this phoenix was a sign that the investigation was on the right track. Crystal's daughter, Akasha, was just four years old when she went missing. She had vague memories of Crystal, but she would tell Eli that Crystal was in the dark and that she was waiting for them to come and get her. She would tell them that they needed to go and find her because she missed her mom and wanted her home. In 2019, Catfisher was arrested and charged with assault with a deadly weapon and possession of meth in Raleigh, North Carolina. Payne Lindsay caught up with Catfish in North Carolina. He told Payne that a man named Dreddy Bryan had admitted to the murder on Facebook at some point, but he wouldn't show Payne the post. Shortly after Oxygen Network covered Crystal's story, several women began coming forward accusing Catfish of assaulting them. Many of them claimed that Catfish had either made them drinks or that they were drinking with him when they then passed out and later woke up feeling like they had been assaulted. A few of the women reported that Catfish had held them at gunpoint for days before they were able to escape. They reported that he kept them heavily drugged and that they never really knew what happened, but they felt as if they weren't in control of their own bodies. It's important to note that Catfish has never been charged with any sexual assaults. He was, however, charged in 2019, like we said, with the assault with a deadly weapon and possession of meth. On March 30th, 2022, Catfish was arrested again. The charges included felony possessions and possession of a stolen vehicle. He was then released on bond. Unfortunately, Catfish died of an apparent drug overdose on September 22nd, 2022 in Raleigh, North Carolina. Catfish's mom bought the house that he had owned in Crestone for $130,000. She then sold it in 2020. The house had tested positive for meth and had been stripped bare. The new owners had to go to some pretty impressive efforts to get the house clean and the drug residue out of the walls. While the house was being cleaned, the new owners found a trap door leading to the basement in one of the closets. Catfish's former housekeeper later told B. Schofield, author of Hunting Lucifer, One Reporter's Search for Colts and Demons, that the trap door had at one time been covered with a big safe. 
The basement had no stairs, so getting down there was quite a task, but the new owners went down with B. Schofield. The floor was dirt as the basement was unfinished. The windows were covered with bars that appeared to have been pushed out from the inside. B wondered if this is where Crystal and the others had been held when they were allegedly drugged and sexually assaulted by Catfish. In July of 2020, B called Sheriff Warwick and told him about the basement. B was then told that the sheriff couldn't enter the house without probable cause. Remember, Catfish passed in late 2022. So at this point, he was still alive and denying the allegations that he had anything to do with Crystal's disappearance or the other reported sexual assaults. The new owners told B that Catfish's father had made it clear to the police that they couldn't search the property. Catfish was born into quite a bit of money. His grandfather had founded Lockheed Martin. His family was worth possibly millions. Whenever Catfish got into trouble, there was money that was able to bail him out. Unfortunately, that money did not bail him out of substance abuse. Dreddy Bryan, who again Catfish said had admitted to a murder on Facebook, died at the Starlet Hostel just outside of Crestone, May 16th, 2020, also of an apparent overdose. The man who sold Dreddy Bryan the heroin told B. Schofield that Dreddy told him the whole story the night before he died. He said that Bryan said he had gotten into an argument with Crystal at Catfish's place, and he then pushed her off the balcony. He said that when she fell, she broke several bones. Ryan, a man who was part of Dreddy's inner circle, and though he wasn't there that night, said that he had gotten confirmation from some of the others about what happened to Crystal. One of these men told Ryan that he'd came into the house and saw Crystal twitching on the floor after she'd been pushed off the balcony. The story begins to then get rather convoluted after that. It was said that the men started panicking and may have used a high-powered BB gun to kill Crystal rather than taking her to a hospital or 911 or getting any form of help. After she had passed, the men disposed of her body down a mine shaft. One of Dreddy's close friends also told Up and Vanished that he had a tendency towards violence. Quote, from what I've seen, and I know his ex-wife and all the other girlfriends he's been with, there's a violence behind him, like a dark. Doesn't come out right at first, but when they're alone, it happens. In May of 2019, Sawatch Sheriff Deputy Wayne Clark went to a man named Brendan Pulver's home to look for a kiln. Brendan would also tell B. Schofield several different beings called the sheriff's office to report that I burned Crystal's body in a kiln. Sheriff Warwick would tell Schofield that he had sworn statements from someone in town that Brendan had burned Crystal's body in a kiln and that kiln was on his property. He would also later state, the kiln we eventually found ended up being half the size of what we thought. Brendan's mother was present when the search warrant was executed and she told Schofield that nothing was found. Brendan's sister-in-law had a very small kiln. The sheriff's office tested that one for human remains as well, but the test came back negative. There was no evidence to prove that any of these stories are true. There haven't been any arrests made in Crystal's disappearance. Several people in the, quote, inner circle were given polygraph tests, and Dreddy Bryan was the only one that didn't pass. But polygraphs aren't known to be reliable by any stretch of the imagination. So without evidence that Bryan did kill Crystal, the police had to release him. However, the men who were interviewed by B. Schofield seemed to all tell the same story. Dreddy Bryan's inner circle included six men, four of them having died from drug overdoses in the last few years. Crestone has seen many people disappear over the years. 
For all that is a spiritual center full of the wonders of religion and enlightenment and spirituality, there's a darkness that hangs over those mountains. Stories are told of campers who just walk away from their camps and are never seen again, and women who disappear from town. The San Luis Valley is a place of sacred lands and secrets. Some people go there to find peace. Others go there to hide from dark pasts. Drug manufacturing is common, especially meth. With that, drug trafficking exists well and unfortunately goes largely undetected. The police force is small. It's largely made up of a few deputies and sheriffs to enforce the law of the entire county. One man who was interviewed by Payne Lindsay for Up and Vanish said, We mostly just police ourselves. If there's a problem, we take care of it internally. Sheriff Warwick balked at this, saying, There is a police force and we do patrol the county. I think what he's saying is that police are more apt to talking things out and solve the minor problems themselves. Crystal was a woman who had found Denver to be toxic. She left it, hoping to find solace and sobriety in the religious retreats that lied in the south of Crestone. But instead, she found a darker element that lives in the town. She loved Crestone, and she was in her element there. She felt that she was safe and that no harm could be done to her, but those small mountain towns can be deceiving. Crystal's loved ones are hoping that she can be found so that they can lay her to rest. Rodney and Debbie Irvin lost their son due to suicide before Crystal went missing. The thought of losing Crystal has brought them to the breaking point. They're still very active in her case, and they still want to know what happened. Eli is also very active in the search for Crystal. He believes that she was killed by her attackers in 2016, but he also wants to know why. Akasha is 11 now, hitting her teenage years soon without her mother. Crystal should be able to be there for her, giving her advice, helping her with homework. She should still be able to sing to her and help her pick out her school clothes. Instead, she's still missing. There's a $20,000 reward for any information on the disappearance of Crystal Reisinger. Crystal is five foot seven. She has blonde to light brown hair, blue eyes, gauged ear piercings, a nose piercing, and many tattoos. If you have any information about Crystal's disappearance, please call the Sawatch County Sheriff's Department at 719-655-2544. That's it for today. Until next time, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.